Today we wrap up our series, Commissioned, where we have taken a look at the final words of Jesus given to the disciples at the end of the book of Matthew, which has come to be known as the Great Commission. Though originally spoken to the disciples by Jesus just before he left this earth, we recognize and understand that this instruction from our Lord is still relevant and very important for us today. We find this commission from Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, where we read, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we've explored this text piece by by piece, we've taken a closer look at the authority of Jesus, the authority of the one who is sending us when he says, go. We've spent time exploring what going means for us. We've walked through what 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 follows the command to go, namely make disciples, right? Not always a clearly defined imperative, but clearly an important one, especially since it is followed by two other things we looked at, baptism and teaching to obey. All of this given to us by the authority of Christ that we might participate in God's mission through the authority of Christ. It's a lot. Like, it's a lot. It's not easy. We, we never received a promise that it would be. Instead, we received a promise very similar to the one made to the Israelites a long time ago, hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked the earth. Though we've been working through the Great Commission, our texts from each week have come from other areas of Scripture that we might gain a greater understanding of what God is calling us to through this final instruction. This week will be in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 to 8. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to turn there now if you don't have a Bible with you, but prefer to have something tangible to read from. There should be a Bible in the back of the pew in front of you, or if you prefer, when the time comes, the words will be on the screens beside me. Now, while we're finding our place, let me give you a little background. The Israelites had been a nomadic family, one dude and a whole bunch of sons moving across the lands and and raising flocks. And then famine strikes. But through a series of events clearly ordained by God, they are brought into the lands of Egypt, and God blesses them there, and they have all the babies. And so years later, this family has grown into the people of the nation of Israel. But their growth puts fear in the hearts of the Egyptians, and the Israelites are enslaved by those they once called friends. After a period of time, God raises up a leader for them, Moses, and And through another crazy series of events, they are set free from the chains of slavery, but they still don't have a land to call their own. The Bible tells us that they wander in the desert for 40 years. It's not that they can't find their way out. It's just that they don't have a place to go yet. And God's not done shaping them and and molding them. And during these 40 years, God is at work in his people and establishing what it looks like to be considered an Israelite, what it means to be considered a child of God. In our text this morning, Moses, though he has been leading the people, has been told by God that he will not be going to the promised land, the land they will occupy, the land the people of Israel will take once they have left the desert. And so before he dies, before he leaves, he has a bunch of words of instruction for his people. And then he has a few words of instruction for the man who will lead Israel once Moses is gone, a dude named Joshua. Again, our text is Deuteronomy 31, 1-8. If you are able, I encourage you to stand for the reading of the word. Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 to 8. 
Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So we have this great promise from God in a few different places in Scripture. This promise that he makes to his people, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We see it given to the Israelites of the Old Testament as they are about to take a leap of faith, as they are as they leave the uncomfortable but familiar desert wandering and step into the promises that God has for them, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that will one day be their own, the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And we see this promise of God again in the New Testament given to the disciples as they are about to head out on their new journey, the familiarity of being with Jesus, the comfort of sitting under his teaching and having him physically present is now gone. And they are stepping into the promises that God has for them, into the mission that he has called them to join him in. Two different missions, right? But with similar theme. One of physical conquest. One of spiritual conquest. One to claim a home and one to welcome others into the family of God, into the promises of our Heavenly Father. Neither is easy. Both are, are hard. God knows that each will have their struggles and so he reminds us that he will not abandon us to them. He promises that he is with his people through the hardships that he has called them to. And just as this is true for those in the Old Testament, and just as it is true for those in the New Testament, we know that this is true for us today as well, don't we? God has promised that he will not abandon his people. He has promised that he will be with his people. He has promised to never leave them or forsake them. Even when they stray from the call that he has given them, even when they don't follow his directions, his instructions, his law perfectly, even though we are dirty, rotten sinners through faith, God has brought us into his family and brought us under the promises that he made back in both testaments of Scripture. These promises are true for us today. The question I have, the question I have wrestled with this week is, do we believe him? Do we believe that God is with us to the very end of the age until the heavens and earth are made new and he will come physically once again? Do we believe that he will never leave us? Do we believe that he will never abandon us? That he will never forsake us? Do we believe it? Sometimes believing is hard. Sometimes 
believing his real heart. When we get that cancer diagnosis, or perhaps even worse, when someone we love gets it. When our child is in an accident. When bad weather destroys our crops and we don't know how we'll make it through the year, how we will make it until the next season. When we face a surprise layoff, when interest goes sky high. When food prices soar but our income doesn't. When a pandemic strikes. When morality is forgotten, when truth is seen as flexible, when racism rears its ugly head, when our friends betray us, when depression hits, when anxiety is overwhelming, when hopes are crushed, when we receive the divorce papers, when we had to send them, when the car breaks down, when we face rejection, when our loved ones die, when the brokenness of the world touches our lives in ways that hurt so, so much, do we believe the promise that God is with us? That he will never abandon us. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to keep the faith, hard to understand why we go through the hardships we go through. Sometimes it's hard to know how a God who has promised to be with us would let us experience the brokenness of this world in the ways that we do. And yet we know that he is there. We know that he is with us. And as we go through the troubling times, we can stand on a hill and look back on our lives and see how God has used the difficult things to prepare us more deeply for the ministry that he has called us to. We can see how he has been with us, even though the times have been brutal. And so while the question of whether we trust God to keep his promises is one that we do need to wrestle with, I think that in some ways the harder question for the believer to wrestle with is, will you submit to the journey God has called you to? Are we willing to answer the call that God has put on our lives because he's called all of us? Some of us may not have answered the call to faith, right? We may not believe in God, not in the way that he wants us to anyway. We, we might believe there's something bigger and, and greater than us in the universe, and, and we don't have a problem, problem labeling that God, but the God of the Bible? Yeah, I don't know, maybe not so much. And if that's you, if that's you, know that God will never stop loving you. And never stop pursuing you and I or the elders or the person in the pew next to you would love to talk to you about the one true God more. And we're all available after service once I stop yakking up here. And many of us have heard the call to faith. And God has done a work in our hearts and we are believers and we know that part of being in the family of God means recognizing our call to mission. It's all through scripture. But mission is hard and and sometimes, instead of recognizing that God is walking with us through the hardships, we prefer just to avoid them altogether. My job application might get rejected. Better to just not apply in the first place. I might get embarrassed when the cutie says no to my dinner invitation. Better to just not ask. Scared of a medical diagnosis. Better to just avoid the doctor and, and come what may. Obviously, that mindset doesn't work in all situations, and sometimes it works out a sight worse than dealing with the hurt head-on. But doing our best to avoid possible pain works well enough most of the time. And this tactic is particularly effective when it comes to ministry, right? Again, this promise that God will be with us comes right after we've been called to join the most important mission the world will ever know. And we know that it'll be hard. We know that we'll be called to difficult situations. We know we'll be called to sacrifice. We know hard things will happen. We know that it won't be easy. We know it'll stretch us. We know that God's mission is not designed for our comfort, but instead will bring us to uncomfortable places. 
That is promised in Scripture. And while we know that God will be with us, we aren't always excited about submitting to the calls He's put on our life. And so it is easier to just avoid mission and focus on dealing with the struggles of the everyday. I mean, it's hard enough to put food on the table and keep a roof over our heads. It's hard enough to juggle the ups and downs of relationships. It's hard enough to get my kids to behave or to bed on time. I don't want to follow God's call to mission. Sure, he'll be with me, but I don't want to have to talk to that person about my faith. I don't want to go to seminary, leave my good-paying job, and move to some part of the country that I'm unfamiliar with to serve a church full of people I don't know. I don't want to teach Sunday school. Those kids are scary, man. I don't want to be on the trustee board. I don't want to help out with that event. I had plans. I had a long day at work. I have so many excuses, so many reasons to be caught up in my own life. I don't want to give God that much authority and influence in my life. I have dreams, man. I have things I want to do. I'll just answer his call to ministry in smaller ways, more convenient ways for me. I don't want to fully open myself up to what God might call me to do because I'm scared. I'm scared of how hard it'll be. I'm I'm not excited about how uncomfortable it'll make me. I don't like how it could ruin plans I have for my life. I, I think it might get in the way of my dreams. I'm willing to do what God is calling me to do as long as it fits into the box that I'm comfortable with. Can any of us relate to this? Can any of us relate to wanting to avoid ministry because of how inconvenient it is, how, how hard it is, because of what it might cost? How are we doing with that? If you're struggling, if you are wrestling, know that you do not struggle or wrestle alone. Yes, there are those of us in the pews and standing up here in the pulpit that struggle and wrestle alongside you. But we're human, man, just like you. We can help in increments, but we'll also get in the way. In our sinfulness, we'll set bad examples, and despite our best intentions, at times we'll hurt you. We can't be there for you like the one who has promised he will always be there, even when he calls us to the hard things, to the things we want to avoid. We can't be there like our God can. We can't be there like our God is. Our God is with us, for he has promised he will be, and we can rest in the promises that he has made, for he will never break his word. How thankful I am for the promises of our God. How thankful I am for the love that he has for each and every one of us. Whether we don't yet believe in him and are trying to figure out how we feel about him or have walked with him for as long as we can remember. I'm thankful that he loves us so much that he promised to save us. I'm thankful for how he kept that promise. I'm thankful for Jesus. Jesus who set the example of following God's call for he was sent from heaven to earth and here he lived with us, taught us, laughed with us and cried with us. He left the utopia of heaven to exist in a world of hunger, pain, aches, thirst, and loss. Yet he was perfect, never once falling into the sin that we do not have the ability to escape. And we hated him for it, and so one day we betrayed him, lied about him, and he was sentenced to a public, humiliating death on a tree. And as Jesus walked up the hill to Golgotha, the place of the skull, he carried a cross upon his shoulders. But the tree was not all that weighed upon him. For he also carried the sins of the world, your sin and my sin. And as the nails went through his hands and his feet, and as he was lifted up to be mocked and jeered, the Bible tells us that Jesus became sin for us. That our sin was given to him every time we've doubted, every time we've struggled, every time we've run, every time we've avoided what we knew he was calling us to do. Every time we've let ourselves be distracted, every time we put the responsibilities given to us by this world over the call that God has placed on our hearts. 
Every time we've been selfish, every time we've been scared, every time we've rebelled, Jesus took all of it. And there on the cross, he died for it. He paid the price that we could not ever hope to pay. But he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And when we believe in him, when we trust in him, when we rest in the faith that we have been given, then all the promises that God makes to his children are ours. Through faith, we, believe, we live in the fruits of forgiveness. Through faith, the dirty rags of our sins are taken from us and we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Through faith, we are brought into the family of God and declared heirs with Christ. Through faith, we are saved. All this through faith. Church, we aren't saved through answering God's call to mission. Faith is what saves. Not how well we obey, not how regularly we attend church, not how freely we share the gospel. Those are good things. God wants us to do those things. They are great things to do for our spiritual health, but they don't save us. Faith saves us, and that is a fantastic hope, a fantastic promise for each of us, a promise, a hope that God has called us to share. It wasn't easy for the Israelites, for Joshua, when Moses died and they went to take the promised land. They messed up a lot. Bad things happened. It it worked out for a time, and then things got hard again. It was not always a pretty picture. It won't be easy for us to answer the call of the Great Commission. The path may be winding. It may be embarrassing at times. It will definitely be hard, and we'll mess up a lot. We'll get in the way. Our sin will hinder our ability to follow him perfectly. But we don't get to use that as an excuse to avoid his call. He never promised that it would be easy. He promised that he would be with us. And in that promise, we rest. What a fantastic, gracious, merciful, and loving God we serve. Amen.